This podcast is presented by Pacific Office Automation, proud partner of the Arizona Cardinals, and your one-stop shop for optimizing all your office technology. Visit PacificOffice.com. Problem solved. Is it caught? Is it caught? Oh my goodness, it's caught! DeAndre Hopkins caught it! He caught it for a touchdown! You've got to be joking me! Welcome to Cardinals Underground, presented by Pacific Office Automation. Visit PacificOffice.com. Problem solved. Touchdown, Kyler Murray. That defender is in multiple pieces. Oh, that was nasty right there, right? The latest news and notes from the guys who cover the team. Drilled by Simmons. Isaiah Simmons is balling. Bring it on, bring it on. Slammed to the ground by Buda Baker. Like a torpedo, he came flying into the backfield. I ain't scared of nobody. Here's Paul Calvisi. Well, if you guys truly refer to yourselves as Arizona Cardinals insiders. I have a question for you, Felipe Corral Jr. and Darren Urban. What exactly did the bye week study reveal? You know, that off-season study that was commissioned by the head coach, Cliff Kingsbury. Did, did he ever disclose any of the findings? Is it published anywhere in a medical journal that I might be able to consult over here at Pauly Podcast? You know, I've been very curious about that myself, Paul. But to be honest, no. Not only has it not been in any medical journals, but Cliff Kingsbury, not surprisingly, has kept that information fairly close to the vest. Because, you know, that might be of great service to, oh, I don't know, uh, those of us who are still suffering from a post bi week case of the blahs. You know, the bi week blahs. I, I think I have an acute case. I've been trying to shake it. There was the Monday malaise, Felipe. It, it turned into the terrible Tuesday. And then, you know, before it bleeds into midweek here, uh, we got to just go ahead and, uh, you know, nip this in the bud. Because if I could consult the study and maybe find out, okay, how do I remedy? the bi-week blahs and to try and get some energy and some productivity out of yours truly man i would do it in a minute i I don't think you can i mean you come off the bye and you're nine and two i think that's all the energy you need you know you you have the rams struggling right now you already beat the 49ers and the 49ers are creeping back up in the standing so i think you're in a good spot i think that's all the energy you really need coming off the bye yeah but that doesn't help paul paul right Uh, now is is clearly just malazing around that is true you're right darren but but i think felipe might be onto something but it's not so much looking at the cardinals at the top not yet because you know you're still that one and no mentality, correct? Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's seeing the Seahawks at the bottom of the standings. <laughs> That's what's really inspiring. In fact, I can feel my energy pick up right now just saying the words last place Seahawks. I, I enjoy that. There's a certain ring to that that I really, you know what, all of a sudden, okay, bring it on. Let's make this a two-hour edition all of right. Cardinals Underground brought to you by Pacific <laughs> Office Automation. You want me to really pump you up here, Paul? I saw a stat, I believe it was Field Yates who put this out there. Of oh, bring it. Here we go. At least uh, somebody's being productive, Field right Yates. Right now, the Seahawks are averaging less than 25 minutes per uh, of possession per game. <laughs> there serious? has been no team oh. that has had – Average less than 25 minutes of possession per game since the expansion Cleveland Browns. I believe that was 89, maybe. I was going to go the 76 Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Yeah, the expansion okay. Browns after they came back into existence after the Ravens wow. moved to Baltimore. Wow. Well, and watching watching them play against the Washington, that it looked it, there was a. I mean, they didn't do anything until that last drive. So the NFL Network ran a graphic. And it was how Washington ran 34 more plays than the Seattle Seahawks. 
and the announcers are like, oh, when's the last time that happened? Oh, hello, it happened the week before, as I sound like Herm Edwards. It happened the week before in Seattle when the Arizona Cardinals, everybody now, ran 79 plays compared to the Seattle Seahawks, 49 plays. I'm literally yelling at my TV, and the wife's like, would you shut it? And I'm screaming at the TV saying, it just happened in the previous game. The Cardinals ran 30 more plays, and the NFL Network announcers are reacting like it's some sort of event that happens once every apocalypse. And Paul, I'll egg on because I saw like the projections for the NFL draft this upcoming year and obviously the Seahawks traded away their first round pick for Jamal Adams so now their top five pick or whatever <laughs> right. now goes to the Jets. So I, I guess that's, that's right. like the cherry on top for our you know, Seahawks rent. In fact, there's a tweet right here with that. Right now, this Seahawks draft pick is number four and it belongs to the New York Jets. Think about that. Think about the fact the Seahawks, the only team worse in the NFC, the Detroit Lions. And your top five draft pick right now is property of the New York Jets, courtesy of that Jamal Adams trade. Yeah, that Jamal Adams trade isn't, although he did get a pick, uh, but that that Adams trade is not looking good. In fact, if you uh, as long as we're bouncing around, this is a good time to do this on the buy, Paul. Okay, let's do it. But as long as we're bouncing around the division and talking about some of these things, mm-hmm. I mean, I watched that Packers Rams game, and obviously, other than the one bomb to Odell, I didn't see. I haven't seen a whole lot out of Odell Beckham or Von Miller so far from the Rams, and they also have given up quite a bit of draft capital uh, when that all comes together. So. You know, between Jamal Adams and, and we had talked about the draft picks that these teams had given up, but I mean, the Cardinals, I, I don't want to necessarily sit here and revel in the, you know, the, the misery of others here, have a little Schoenfreude well, of, yeah, of, of yeah. the Seahawks well, and or Rams. You're alone in that sentiment, but go ahead. I, I understand that. Yeah. I guess it's a free country. But, uh, but getting back to what Felipe said about the record, I mean, there, there are good things about the fact that these other teams are struggling. I mean, the, the one thing I took out of this weekend when the Cardinals aren't playing is the Rams losing. Now, big picture, it might have been actually better for the Cardinals if the Rams would have beaten the Packers, but the way it turned out, it puts you that much closer to getting getting near the a division title. I mean, we don't even know. At this point, the way the two teams are playing, are the 49ers going to surge past the Rams? Well, to the first part of that, for those of us who do live by the hashtag, and I've been doing this for a good couple of weeks now, no Lambo. <laughs> you're absolutely right. Every time Green I've Bay wins, I've seen that trending a million times on Twitter. I'm <laughs> sure that's. I don't think I've seen it. Seen it at all. all right, well, you're just you not know, looking for it, we, we didn't need that commentary. <laughs> you don't need to comment on how yeah. popular the hashtag is. I'm just telling you, it's my life's work right now. I've <laughs> devoted my life to no Lambo. Okay, so every time the Packers do win, I do flinch. There's no doubt about it. Now, wait. Quick aside. Okay, is that? For the Cardinals' sake or Paul Calvisi's sake? All, all the above. Oh, got it. All okay. of the above. <laughs> I, I don't want to cite the Arizona track record in every outdoor sport when it's below 30 degrees. That's it's fair. not good. That's okay, fair. those of us with thin blood here in the AZ. Josh Rosen good. made it work, but whatever. Um, but as for that game, the holy cannoli stat that came out of that game where I actually did do a little nod uh, towards, I think it was NFL Network had it. I don't know who it was, but Matthew Stafford has thrown a pick six in three straight games. We all know that. Aaron Rodgers has a trio of pick sixes in his career. So now think about who you'd rather play in the postseason. Because 
if you're hitting Zoo out and you're already assessing the playoff positioning right now, as we are doing, what the Cardinals will not do, what they're loath to do over in that locker room, but what we will do here on Cardinals Underground, does anybody really sweat the Rams at this point or the Cowboys? To me, there are two teams you're worried about, and it's the two teams with playoff experience, the two teams with quarterbacks who are multiple-time MVPs, and it's Green Bay and Tampa Bay. Other than that, I think there are three teams in the NFC, the Cardinals, the Bucks, and the Packers, period. But you see what those two teams have in common with the Cardinals is that they all have an elite quarterback. So as long as you have that going into the postseason, you you know, you're a little bit more comfortable with, with the Cardinals' chances. But going back to either like the divisional championship talk or the divisional, you know, being crowned division champs, I mean, I just want that first round bye. I mean, coming off a 17-week season, it's an extra game. 18-week season, it's an extra game. So you kind of want that extra rest, If I'm assuming if I'm a player. I mean, they lasted, what, 11 weeks up to their, their you know, regular season bye. Now, there's no better way to top that off with a first round bye. You're trying to, trying to get healthy. I mean, you know this team has been struggling a little bit with injuries and whatnot. So... I'm not necessarily so focused on the divisional aspect of it. I just, you know, from a, I guess, getting a little bit more rest yeah. in, you know, getting that first round by. Are you sure you don't want to wait till after the regular season by, Felipe? Maybe we should all wait to see how the Cardinals come out of this regular season by before you wish for a postseason by. Think yeah. about that, right? Because if the Cardinals come out, if the Cardinals come out like they have the last two years out of a bye, then you know what? A postseason buy might not be in their best interest. If the findings, uh, yeah. if the findings in this study yeah. that may or may not be published in a medical journal to be named later, uh, don't actually resolve the past post bye week issues, then you know what? Maybe you want to just keep rolling with every single Man, playoff. All game. you guys, you're saying all this stuff. I've got, I've got all this stuff built up now. Number one. Okay, go ahead. I, I was thinking about, you know, you're talking about the two teams you're afraid of, and it, the problem is, is the Cardinals have more in common with the two teams that you're not afraid of than the two teams that you are afraid. All the things you said, all the experience and all that, Cardinals don't have any of that. Well, but but wait a minute, hang on. They yeah. don't have a quarterback who's throwing a pick six in three straight also games. True. All, also true. But, uh, you know, we'll, we'll kind of see how that plays out. I don't disagree with you there. The other, the, you know, I think when it comes to the, that first-round bye, I think the reason you want the first-round bye would go back to no Lambeau. Yes. Sure. You know, Mike Sando did a uh, an article basically analyzing going into last weekend what he thought was the NFC playoff chances for all the teams. And he basically estimated the final uh records for all the th- all the things. He had the Cardinals finishing 14 and 3. Whoa. Great record. Hello. He had them as the third seed. Because he also what? had the Buccaneers at fourteen and three, and the Packers at fourteen and three, and I believe if he played it out the right way, that would make the Cardinals the third seed if they all went fourteen and three. So he has Tampa replicating last year and running the table to finish out the season. They got a very easy schedule the rest of the way. They got an easier, oh, definitely an easier schedule than the Packers and or the Cardinals. Okay. And then that's the thing is like the Cardinals still have to play the Rams. They still have to play the Colts, which is a good team. They still have to play at the Cowboys. They still have to play the Seahawks, which, yes, they look floppy around dead right now. But by that time, you would think, 
unless he's not playing at all, Russell Wilson's finger will be better because I do think that's part of their problem right now. I had thought Pete Carroll would already be at USC by the season finale, but we'll get to that in a little bit. I was going to say, so, I mean, I even – and even – heck, even this weekend, Chicago is a mess in terms of the football team, but it's outside and it's going to be in 40 degrees and it might be a little windy and – it goes beyond just what jacket Paul Calvisi is going to wear. Just no freezing rain. Okay, once again, I I, I did a, uh, a segment with Jeff Joniak, the voice of the Chicago Bears, a play-by-play guy. They're Dave Pash. And I just said, make a few phone calls. We can handle the cold, even a little wind. I mean, Kyler throwing in the wind in Cleveland was really impressive. People have no idea how windy it was down in that field. Matt Prater kicking through that ridiculous wind in Cleveland was really impressive. But if you're telling me, there's going to be freezing rain and or sleet down there. You're right, Darren. That changes virtually everything in that game. So we'll see what the weather's going to bring. Once again, you got a Bears team that – here's your stat on Matt Nagy for everything that's being thrown out there. And a lot of it is despicable and deplorable, the fire Nagy chants that are happening at high school games yeah, that his kids involved in. I don't love that. that that's just deplorable. Um, I know talking to some people in Chicago this week – they're like tire shops that up on their their placard outside, fire naggy. Okay, businesses are putting that out there. Sort of the opposite of like Friday Night Lights, and they cheer on the local high school team. But think about it. Matt Nagy is 7-1 and one against the Detroit Lions, and he's sub-500 against every other opponent on the Bears schedule in his four years. And it's here's the thing. If you get Andy Dalton, who looked pretty darn sharp against the Lions yeah. defense that came to play on Thanksgiving Day, and you know what? They get some. If they get Allen Robinson back, for example, they have a legit number one receiver. And David Montgomery gets going in the run game, a legit viable power running back. Where the Cardinals have struggled against that sort of back in the past. Guess what? It could be a game. I mean, I always go back to the first couple of weeks of the season. Obviously, the Bears had a pretty easy schedule, but that running game. You know, I I had David Montgomery on one of my fantasy teams in those first couple of weeks before he got injured, and Andy Dalton was under center and whatnot and they looked like a viable offense. I mean, Allen Robinson was producing, like you mentioned it. David Montgomery's getting into rhythm, you know, coming back that, that knee injury that he had. So, and you know that this defense has struggled just, well, I wouldn't say a little bit. They've struggled against the run uh, this season. So I think once, they get, once the Bears get into rhythm, if they get Allen Robinson back, if David Montgomery starts producing to the level that he's expected to produce, I mean, you can, you know, it might be difficult, especially in that cold. Hopefully you wear the right shoes. I know you have, like, you know, you, you tend to wear the wrong I, shoes. I, we are very concerned about Paul yeah. here, and I think Thank, that's important. Thanks, Mom. I appreciate it. No, I really do. Well, I mean, I will say about Andy Dalton, I mean, Cardinals didn't have too much trouble with him last year when he was wearing a different uniform. But, That's I mean, they, Vance Joseph seemed to have true. his number when they were in yeah. Dallas. So Yeah, he's not real good against pressure. No. So, I mean, look, I'm certainly not – I am hyper aware of what this team looks like or has looked like after a bye, and you have to be super careful about that. And I do wonder what it's going to be like after the bye, what it's going to be like having Kyler behind center for the first time in the month what it and and I do think he I mean God I hope he plays. Oh, say are you are you reporting something? I'm not reporting okay. anything. I'm just okay. I'm just as we sit here, you know, uh, in our post uh, our our post Thanksgiving NFL protocols right. podcasting and masks here. I'm I'm just saying one day at a time. But I, I do think that he's got a chance to play. I do think Hop's got a chance to play. I, I, although I will say this, coming off a hamstring. 
Do they get oh. extra careful with DeAndre Hopkins playing in the cold like that? Absolutely they do. Absolutely they do. And and we talked about that. Um, yours truly and Jeff Joniak, whether D-Hop, whether they even risk it. I mean, think about it. You practice all week. It's high 70s, 80 degrees here in Arizona. And Beautiful then all of a weather. sudden, all of a sudden he's got to be explosive and play four quarters in 30-degree weather. Um, wind chill, probably sub 30 potentially. Wow, that's I mean, you a risk. Have a big jacket then. That's an absolute risk. Well, the over under right now is 4.5 on layers. That layers for yours truly oh. 4.5. <laughs> Poly prop bet. Uh, we'll we'll get into that a little bit later, Felipe. Just to let you know, I'll break down the layers for you a little bit later if you want. I'm excited. No, I mean I'm more curious to know like what type of shoes do you wear on that occasion? You know. <laughs> Well, I have these boots. Um, unfortunately, there I, I found out at the end of last season that there's a couple of holes in the boots. How old are they, Paul? Uh, they, they, they creased on the sides, and then there, there's like openings in the sides. Apparently, I didn't buy a quality enough boot. And if mm. I hadn't, if I knew the maker, I'd name them right here and right now, but I don't. And so uh, I threw them in the closet at the end of the season, thinking, oh, I'll get to that. Of course, I forgot. And so now uh, in Seattle, I was praying it wouldn't rain because I would have had two soakers, believe me. Uh, and so we'll see bad. what happens in Chicago. We will. We wish you the best. If you see a guy putting his feet in plastic bags, that'll be yours truly. Here's the stat you need to know on run defense in the Bears. The last five times they have given up less than 100 yards rushing, they've won all five. The last five times they've allowed more than 100 yards rushing, they've lost. So, James Conner and company, Eno Benjamin, if you guys can get the run game going in Chicago – akin to what you did in Seattle, akin to what you've done basically in every big win so far this year, that complimentary football, the balanced football, then guess what? Uh, that is a definite key to victory, not only in every game, but especially against the Chicago's Bears, the Chicago Bears' defense or lack thereof. Well, again, if it's windy at all, I mean, you might want to pull back on the number of you, you, times you throw. And, again, we don't know what's going to happen with, with DeAndre, but – you know, I, I think at this point, and, and Cliff Kingsbury was talking about it this week, um, or maybe it was last week. I'm, it's all running together for me now. But somebody was talking about the run game and oh, how his offense has changed. It was this week. and uh, he was, How his offense has evolved, evolved since year one. And he, and he basically said, look, you know, I was a, I was a, 10, a 10 personnel guy the vast majority of the time, and that's obviously changed a lot. And I run the ball. I ran the ball in college, but I run the ball a lot more now. And I don't think there's any question that that's going to continue. And he said it's a more complex run game yes. than it was in college, which makes sense. Yes. First of all, it's the NFL. Second of all, Sean Kugler has had a lot of influence. Well, and third, if you're running ten person, if you're running out of ten personnel, there's only so much you right. can do. Exactly. Like for example, look at the the Zach Ertz shovel pass and everything that's happening with the eye candy before Zach Ertz yeah. gets the shovel pass. The inside linebackers, Bobby Wagner and company. They were hosed. They were going the wrong way. They were following the misdirection. And there were two different guys coming across behind the line of scrimmage that threw off the inside linebacker's eyes. And there's Zach Ertz, shovel pass, easy money right into the end zone. Now now I think the run game is much more simple. Because last year, obviously, Kyler ran so much more. So now you have to, you know, mix it up a little bit with Kyler Murray and, and your running back group. But this year, obviously, Kyler Murray is not necessarily running the ball as much as he has in his first two years. So now they can go back to the basics. They can focus on, you know, the you know, up the middle with James Conner, automatic within the, you know, five-yard lines. Last year, you're running what? 
read option plays at the two, three yard line. Now you just, you know, you're going back to the basics. You just hand it off to James Conner. You trust in your offensive line. Sean Coogler is obviously, you know, one of his big, big things is having stability at the offensive line. That's helped the run game as well. So just a combination of going back to playing simple football, running the ball, you know, running it up the, how people say, up their mouths and, and all that. That's benefited the run game more than anything. And, and it's those nine guys in that O-line room. When you say the O-line, because they've now started nine different combinations up front, and it's those nine different guys that have alternated at different spots at different times. You know, that's what's been. You know, when people ask about this team, look, you always start with the quarterback. But 1A, as we've come to know over the years, is the offensive line. Yeah. No O-line, virtually no chance. You just you can have all the weapons you want in the world, but if your old line is a sieve, you're you're not going to get anywhere. By the way, the Zachert shovel pass, Cliff Kingsbury told us on his weekly TV show game plan, he ripped that off from the Colts. He got that off Colts game film. It's amazing how many times we break down these plays on his TV show, and he always attributes the play to someone else because, remember, he thinks it's bad karma if you just rip it off and you don't cite your sources. Sort of like journalism, right, Darren? I think that's a brilliant play by yeah. Cliff Kingsbury, and mm-hmm. guess what? It doesn't really matter. Ripping off plays is a sincere form of flattery. I think I've heard that. I believe that's a cliche from years ago, right? Sure. sure. Paul, did you ask him, though, if he had seen that Larry Fitzgerald shovel pass in the – and, and I, the I, did, I did not ask him that, though. I, I was more I, curious to know if he had seen that type of play from B.A. and he like, he got some inspiration from it because it looked pretty similar. Uh, are we going to see Cliff Kingsbury in Oklahoma? There's my segue. There we go. <laughs> I, just dry, I just pulled the pin on that and rolled the grenade into the middle of Cardinals Underground, brought to you by Pacific Office Automation, proud partner of the Arizona Cardinals. I'm going to say no. Uh, I mean, I know there's been a lot of talk about this. It was kind of... Speaking of throwing a grenade out there, that's what the Adam Schefter tweet was on Sunday, right after Lincoln Riley took the job. Um, I don't know where all this goes. I know that Cliff had a chance to completely kibosh it uh, this week and didn't quite do it. But <coughs> Leverage. <coughs> yeah, I mean, me. I, I do think that there is something to the fact that, you know, he wants to make sure. A wise person once told me in terms of jobs, and this has nothing to do okay. with Cliff necessarily. Okay, I got my pen. I'm you writing this, this down. Here we go. Right? You're yeah. Felipe, you ready for this? Here we yeah, go. I'll, I'll, talk, I'll tell Cliff sometime Paper. this week. You should always be interested in being interested. <laughs> I like that. And I, like that. I really liked that when I heard it, and I was much older than I should have been when I heard it for the first time and deep into my career anyways. But, look, nobody – if you're interested in something, that's fine. It doesn't mean you're taking the job. It's a can't hurt to take a phone call. Can't hurt to have a discussion. And certainly can't hurt to <laughs> let the people you're already working for know that you're interested in, in being interested. In fact, so, I'm going to use that with my wife tonight because she's been looking for another job. And, <laughs> oh, I uh, thought you were going in a different no, direction there, Paul. And it's amazing in, in this, this labor shortage supply. Uh, supp- I mean, labor is just short. There's a yeah. lack of supply right now. Mm-hmm. Speaking of grenade, she threw out a resume out online to this own application service or whatever. And I mean, it was like piranha on a beef stick. It That's was unbelievable good. how many responses. So, so are you going to be retiring? Cause she she's al- going to be making all the money. She almost got a, you know what? I'm following that away. That's the second okay. part of the conversation I'll okay. have tonight. That's Very the ancillary good. part. That's where I'm getting in the conversation, but got that's it. what I'm going to tell her. Cause she doesn't want to respond to all these employers going after her resume. I said, you should always be interested 
in being interested. Yes. Okay, there you yes. go. I think that should be the title of this podcast, too. That's how I took it away. Week 12, Cardinals you never, on the ground. You, yeah. you never know. And, and circling back, I mean, I, I think I think we all know Cliff Kingsbury's got a pretty good thing going here. I don't know what all is going to happen. I, I do know that uh, I, I don't think, A, I think the First whole— First of all, he's under contract. Well, yeah, but another that, year, correct, and then a team option. Yeah, and then he has a team option, and I don't. But we don't know what that contract says. Mm-hmm. I mean, I'm sure he can't just walk away for another NFL job, but I don't know what that means in terms of colleges. Mm-hmm. I mean, just like his USC contract, he was he was in there for two weeks, and he was able to get out of it. That's uh, true. So, yeah. you, you don't know what these contracts look like, and and the other thing too is, you know, the signing. Uh, College signing, early signing time is like in two or three weeks. So I'm thinking Oklahoma is going to need to make a pretty big, fast decision, and it's probably going to jump ahead of anything that that could happen. And, again, personally, I don't think there's much to this. But I, if you're interested in being interested, why would you just dismiss something out of hand? It's his right. I don't think anything big is going to happen. Um, and, and we'll kind of see what, how it all plays out. But I, I do think that ultimately this is your head coach. He just said last week about how he and Kyler are tied together. Uh, and Kyler was saying, we're probably, probably going to be together for a very long time. So I, I fully expect that to happen. Well, there's nothing left to Oklahoma's recruiting class anyway at this point. So you know, you're starting. <laughs> They're all going to be Trojans, aren't I mean, they? Everyone's decommitted. They're all going to decommit point. and then go Look, to, with Lincoln Riley to USC, and my ASU Sun Devils are just buried. I joked with my buddy, who's a who's a massive USC honk. I just said, well, you know, if Cliff Kingsbury is interested in 10 million per plus, then guess what? Maybe he should have stayed at USC because USC is so desperate and is overpaying to such a large degree. Did you see the tweet? Is this supposed to be legit? Well, that- if you read the tweet, it does yeah. say I haven't confirmed anything. But if it is true, holy journalism one hundred and one, right there. Dude. I mean, yeah, that's, that wasn't very sound. A hundred ten million to Lincoln Riley. Of course, there's no length of contract cited here. USC buying both of his homes in Norman for over five hundred grand a piece. Apparently, he was for over five hundred grand a piece above asking price. Above asking price. Okay. So an extra million dollars there. Bonus above the asking price because he was in a house and building a new house, yeah, right? Yeah, that's what I understand. And then they bought him a six million dollar home in L.A., which, which might not be very big. Right, and and really <laughs> that's the only way you can afford California property taxes as a new resident. By the way, is if someone buys it for you, and then unlimited use of the private jet twenty four seven for the family. Always a nice perk if you can get it. That would be totally awesome. Yeah. That's the one that caught my eye. Can you yeah. imagine having use of a private jet? whenever you wanted it. So, USC, how embarrassed are you overpaying like that? My goodness. Now, that's assuming that's all true, which that's we true. will find yeah. out eventually, I'm sure. Yeah. So, um, once again, uh, you continue to monitor the status of the head coach. But, look, he's on the record as saying he wasn't a real fan of spending his time recruiting yeah. or glad-handing with boosters. Yeah. We all know him well enough, everyone, Cardinals fans included, that he's a grinder. He'd much rather sit in his office and watch film than be out at some booster dinner sharing a happy hour drink with some guy worth $100 million, right? Well, heck, the the day we're all asking about this, he's, he sits there and says the only day he hasn't been in the office for the bye weekend was Thanksgiving itself. And he came into the office every other day for at least a little while. Yeah, that's uh, – so, He has said he wanted to sleep too. I don't even think he slept. So that's the thing – you know, if you're going to say you're going to sleep – Who does he think he is, Russell Wilson? <laughs> Come on now. 
So you're saying there's no uh, there, there's no risk of rest versus rust on the head coach because he never really stopped no. working. Is that that's what you're saying? No. Okay. All right. Let me ask you this question, Paul. Do you think generally, Felipe, you can chime in here. Do you think generally coaches want buys? You know, for the most part, I feel like Bruce Arians would be a coach that likes yeah. buys. Yes, sure. I don't think Cliff Kingsbury sure. would like a buy. Although when he when he was asked that question in Seattle, and you were sitting there. And someone asked him, and, yes. and he looked everyone in the eye and said, I'm tired. And he looked tired. He looked tired. No offense, Cliff. And, and, and that, <laughs> I think that was legitimate. That was sincere. Now, he's young. He's in shape. It probably took him 36 hours to get reinvigorated, rejuvenated, and he's ready to go again. It's not like he needed a four- or five-day break. He probably just needed one day of mental health. And some good, you know, maybe sleeping actually on that couch that we all saw him in the famous draft day photo. Maybe actually using that couch to his advantage, watching some football and falling asleep on it. And then, boom, he's ready to go the next yeah. day at 4 a.m. Two things, though. You guys are in shape and young. And, like, what's the difference? That's very right kind of you, Felipe. You know? Felipe, who wasn't born until I was out of college, probably. Number two is if he has that big of a couch, wouldn't you think his bed is a little bit more comfortable than that? <laughs> Yeah, that's, yeah, those are the things yeah. I ask myself. Like people are yeah. saying, he's gonna go take a nap in his on his couch. On his but big hey, couch. okay, okay. Quick sidebar: you have to admit, especially like in the middle of the day, there's something about being able to fall asleep on your couch. Now, you don't have kids, Felipe. Your mm -hmm. kids are still a little bit younger. My kids are old enough that a uh, they're not around as much, or b if they see me sleeping, they <laughs> know they better be quiet because then the next time I see them sleeping on my couch. As 20-year-olds, I'm going to slap them around for waking me up. So I, I just I feel like there's something different about getting a nap on a couch, right? Well, it says you're not turning in for the night, right? Yeah. And don't the studies say that the 20 to 30-minute cat nap is yeah. a lot better than like an hour to an hour and yeah. a half? And as someone who used to experiment with that doing morning radio, that never worked. I mean, you, you would fall. <laughs> I mean, you talk about the bi-week blahs and yeah, the malaise. You, you get that hour to hour and a half nap. Now, all of a sudden, like, you're really screwed up. You're just, yeah. you're foggy. And but if you go to your bedroom and go in your bed, you're absolutely sleeping right. for 90 minutes. Right. So you almost have to be on that couch. And yeah. also on Thanksgiving, there's that added bonus, which I thoroughly enjoy when you're gone, you sleep for you like 20, 30 minutes, and then as you wake up, oh, there's a football game on right in front of you. I don't have to move. I can slowly that's wake true. up and watch football. I think that's right. a big thing. That's right. Maybe someone's within earshot. Hey, can you get me a beverage? Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and I mean, you guys are married, so you guys have the do you guys have the double Thanksgiving thing? Like, I don't know if you guys celebrated, well, you see, know, with your family uh, and then your wives' families uh, and then that's two meals yeah. and then now you're even more sleepy and drowsy. I don't know if you guys had that. Uh, no, we only have the one. We basically have one Thanksgiving. Uh, my my wife's uh, my wife's sibling, her parents are gone, and my wife only has one sister in town, and she's mm. a flight attendant, so she's usually busy on Thanksgiving. So, fortunately, we only have to do the one family now. The time is coming, hopefully not right away, but <laughs> if my my sons end up getting married at some point, then they're going to have to start picking and choosing, and then then all hell breaks loose. <laughs> I don't think you're mentally ready for that yet. I that, that's good advice. No. I, I was just I like, I, no. as I was saying it out loud, I right. realized I don't right. even want to have this conversation. Like, that's great advice yeah. there. No, hell breaks loose. <laughs> I, that's a good way I to. I think the farthest you want to look ahead is when Cliff Kingsbury says he told the team that our best football is ahead of us. Yes, that's a good one. Okay, so near future. What do you think he means by that? Our best football is ahead of us. Because I asked him that question specifically on his TV show. 
<laughs> he didn't give me a specific answer, <laughs> as you might imagine. He's not, he's not sharing what he told his team, although he did sort of hint consistency. Every coach is striving for that. And the complete game. Cardinals have yet to play a complete game. For some of the lopsided scores, they've yet to put a 40-burger up there. They haven't done that yet. I'm waiting on that. I think it's coming. I think the 40-burger's coming. And you haven't seen four quarters of complete football in any game this season. You don't think they came close against the Rams or the Titans? That was Not completely. Not, com- not no, four The start quarters. against the Rams and the mm, third quarter against sense. the Titans were I both lackluster. That's, that's I, see, the thing about the 40-burger, I, I think that's a that's – in, especially in the NFL, I think that's a function of how the game goes. Uh, the way this team is playing, which is if they get a lead, a significant lead, they're going to start grinding out the clock on the run game, which is going to shorten your chances to score, number one. And number two, um, I look at this team when he says our best football hasn't been ahead of us. I mean, we haven't seen this offense – truly complete since before the Packers game. I mean, DeAndre Hopkins came in with a significant hamstring problem before the Packers game. And now they didn't play great against the Texans, but offensively, this offense hasn't been together in a long time. So it's easy to forget what that, when he says our best football is ahead of us, it's because they've been playing so short, especially offensively for so long. And so that I know, I don't know if we're going to see it against Chicago, but it's going to be interesting that Rams game with the way the Rams are playing defense, what happens. And if the Lions keep sinking like a rock and the way this team plays on the road, that Lions game might be something of interest. If, assuming they stay into it, that could also be one of those games they get a little. See, see my theory is, and this is my theory, obviously. Well, that's why you call it your theory. Exactly. I think it's used as motivation. I feel like this team finally got over that hump, you know, that winning more than eight games. Now they're in, they got they clinched the first winning season. Now they're on their way to clinching their first postseason berth in in a couple of years. Now they understand what it's like to win games in November, something that obviously they struggled with last year. Now it's I, I feel like it's being used as motivation to tell this team like, look, we found the I guess the foundation, we found the recipe to win tough games in November, now, now let's finish off the season and make the postseason. Something that they struggled with, obviously, last year. So I feel like he's using it as motivation. Obviously, they're going to get key players back. One of the guys I'm most excited for them to get back is Justin Peake, just so they can get that get that offensive line healthy once again. Getting Kyler Murray back is obviously going to help them. So finally getting over that hump, I feel like that's why he said that. Can I just do a quick observation? Uh, ESPN's NFL countdown is on this monitor to my left over here, and they just ran a tease with the slug, with the chyron, the lower third that said bully ball. Okay, that's a James Conner term. I'm not saying he coined the term. I'm just saying he brought that over from Pittsburgh. It's become part of the vernacular and lexicon of the Arizona Cardinals 2021. And, And they ran some video of the 49ers. Bully ball. If anyone deserves to get some props for bully ball, doesn't it? Wouldn't it be the NFL touchdown leader in rushing touchdowns, James Conner, arguably the most physical running back in the league this year? And instead, Debo Samuel gets a couple of touchdown runs out of the backfield as a receiver. Now he's got the moniker Bully Ball. As much as I like the Debo Samuel experiment and Cordero Patterson in the backfield for the Atlanta Falcons, and oh, if Anquan Bolden was in his prime for the Arizona Cardinals right now, man, you would see Q in the backfield in that same sort of role. I love all that, but come on now. 
Once again, the Cardinals not getting any love on the national basis. And, and I, does anybody have a theory on this? Because I was on a, a radio show recently, and they're asking, why aren't the Cardinals getting more traction? Even though they're now number one in most all the power polls, they better be at 9-2 and atop the NFL. But I had two theories. Number one, not enough national TV games. They've only had one primetime game, correct? Yes. And how many do they have left? Just the Rams on Monday night? Just the Rams, unless something is is flexed, which okay. I think we've looked at it, and maybe that Cowboys game, maybe. Okay. And the I think the other reason is that they don't have this overwhelming personality as the head coach, meaning Bruce Arians. See, like when Bruce Arians goes viral this week for the Vita Vea no tooth comment, right? Oh, he's got 30 more and yuck, 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 and that gets played all over. That doesn't happen with the Arizona Cardinals anymore. I, to me, it's less about the coach and more about the fact that the, the one guy that is your national face, Kyler Murray, hasn't played in a month. If Kyler Murray had been playing this last month and made a couple of his Kyler plays, I think, I think things would still be there. But, but did they get that attention when he was playing? I, I thought they did. They did from Kyler. Now, maybe the team itself wasn't there mm. but i mean it was funny this weekend sitting on the couch watching all this football between thursday and sunday and monday and other than when they posted the standings and it was there on the screen i didn't hear the cardinals mention one time about anything and it's hello just, it's really weird it is weird i mean I, again i don't really care um but uh, I did notice it. I'm not going to lie. And you know what? That's, that's a great theory. It really is. If Kyler Murray had been playing the last month, and he, he missed all of November, correct? He missed all of November. So if he had still been putting up MVP numbers in November, then, yeah, that juggernaut, that bandwagon would have been gaining steam, and maybe it would be of a lot more national prominence right now. As your quarterback goes, your team goes. I did see a debate topic. I forgot on what show specifically, but – the question was, uh, what NFC team is the team to beat? And it was like the Packers or the Bucks. And in my head, I'm thinking, well, they just went, the Cardinals just went two and one without their star quarterback on the road. You beat two divisional opponents, so they're top five in offense and scoring defense. I honestly don't get it. That's why I think it's weird because then you start talking about postseason contention i get it they haven't necessarily had success in the last couple of years in the postseason but you know you can't ignore the stats i mean you can't hide behind the stats i mean the stats are the stats that's proof that this team has performed at a high level whether specifically on the road and they've been putting up numbers on both ends of the field why not give them some you know some credit at least talk about them yeah. on thursday well, or monday and, and you know i failed to mention i think the other part of only having one primetime game is you lost that game yeah if that would have been an overwhelming victory like so many of their other games this year then that would have gone a long way but when you had that chance for the nation to sample your product and you didn't have your best day you didn't put the best meal on that table for everyone to sample it's sort of like how many times do you guys go to a restaurant the first time, and if it's not good, how often do you go back and give it a second chance? Not very often. So when America got a taste of your team and you came up short, albeit it was one mental error, one miscommunication away from a win at the very end that would have been thrilling and exciting and memorable, no, it didn't happen. You lost, and America came away with a bad taste in their mouth. How different, how different are things right now if they win that game? I mean, they are then, instead of a half game up on the Packers, they're a game and a half up on the Packers. Uh, 
right? Yeah. No, they're three games up in the loss column, so two and a half up on the Packers. And I mean, they have the tiebreaker with them. I mean, no Lambo is more than a hashtag. It's well, a way of life at that point. I was going to say that Paul does not like talking about this because he just it gets them all turned up inside. <laughs> but anyway, I, I just wanted to get some more thoughts on. So apparently I'm not alone in, in noticing this uh, dearth, this paucity of national buzz around the Arizona Cardinals, despite the fact they're 9-2. and two. And look, a win against Chicago isn't going to generate a whole lot more buzz mm-hmm. or attention. It, it just isn't. So you can continue. The Monday night game against the Rams? Sure. But if the Rams at that point have lost five in a row going into that game, and that's the Do way really they're certainly they're tracking at this point. Well, I guess they've lost three in a row. They, they would have lost four in a row at that point. They play Jacksonville. Oh, they play Jacksonville yeah. next? So I'm not feeling real confident that they're going to be on a losing streak. No, that, 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 that is true. I still think it's a – personally, I still think it's a market thing when it comes to national buzz because sure. you see what the Suns are doing. And, man, every week it seems like they people want them to, you know, their losing streak, their winning streak to end or whatnot. They're, you know, at the top of the standings in their conference, in their entire league, obviously, in the NBA. The Cardinals are in the same position in the NFL. And it just seems like people, I don't know, they just put a blindfold on when it comes to success in Arizona or something. Mm-hmm. Yeah, You know what? They've won 16 in a row. Yeah, they same. could they could have won 160 in a row at a zero at the end, and the ESPN talking head shows would still be pondering, what's wrong with the Lakers? Are the Knicks going to win anything in the next decade? Like, right, like those would still be the the topics on those talk shows. I'd like to state for the record right now, if the Suns won 160 in a row, I promise you they'd be the number one thing that everybody's talking okay. about. Work with me, Darren. Okay, Work with sorry. me over here. So I just well, I okay. want to clarify. What all about right, so facts all right, so now I'm going to hit you with a question. It's your own question that you yeah. sent out earlier. Besides yeah. Kyler, and we'll throw D Hop into that one. Who's yeah. the number one guy you need to see do big things going through December? Uh, for me, it's going to be Chandler Jones. Ooh. He had a nice uh, game in Seattle. He seems to have found himself a little bit after the COVID, and I think they're just—I think they're going to need him. Uh, think less, produce more. Think less, produce more. Um, defensively, with him and Marcus Golden, I know people keep talking about the J.J. Watt thing, but if Marcus Golden and Chandler Jones do what they're capable of doing, I think that's going to help this team a lot. And that's the guy who I'm like, okay, this is this is who they really need to be playing at a high level. I mean, there's lots of choices, but that's that's the first guy that pops in my mind. Felipe, number one guy you need to see do big things going into December. Big, big things. A great thing. A great minds think alike. I had I had put down Chandler Jones. I I feel like that's the obvious choice as well. But you know, I'm gonna go with uh, I'm gonna stay on the defensive side. I'm gonna go with Byron Murphy. That's you know, year three. One. He's uh, you know he's CB1 on that defensive side, but you look at the the schedule and he has some tough wide receiver matchups left. You talk about the Rams, you talk about the Cowboys and their wide receiver groups. Obviously, the Seahawks, they're there in the last game of the season, and you, you know what DK and Lockett can do on that front. So when it comes to being a, a shutdown corner, you know, you talk about a primetime game on Monday, possibly that Cowboys game uh, getting flexed if the Packers and the Vikings game doesn't get flexed. Now you're in the spotlight. Now it's Byron Murphy versus Amari Cooper, C.D. Lamb, or Byron Murphy versus OBJ or Cooper Cub. He had success against Cooper Cub earlier this year, so it's a nice time to replicate that performance. So I'm going to go with Byron Murphy. I mean, I feel like – a good call once you solidify that that line of scrimmage and you can find a way to stop the run 
the cherry on top is having a secondary that's shut down, in my opinion. All right, so there's needs and wants in life, right? Yes. So uh, my want, in terms of the guy I want to see do big things, would be Zayvon Collins. I'd like to see anything yeah. out of Zayvon Collins. I really would. He's got to play to have right. that happen. So I'd love to see that because it's about now where any rookie should start getting some traction. But in terms of need, because you're right, they don't need Zayvon Collins. They've proved that already. Um, in terms of need, uh, similar to you, Felipe, but I'm going to go Marco Wilson. Byron Murphy, uh, okay, I believe in Byron Murphy. It's year three. He's established. He's proven. Now, you can say he needs to prove himself continually, you know, as a number one corner. Okay, but to me it's Marco Wilson because the couple of games, Carolina and Green Bay in particular, where they said, you know what, we're targeting their rookie starting cornerback. That was effective by the opponent. And or the rookie wall is always a component for a guy going into December as well. So, I know Marco Wilson, what was his comment to the media? What rookie wall? Wasn't his quote directly? Uh, what think, rookie wall? I, actually, that was uh, um, Rondale Moore. Oh, Rondale okay. Moore. You're right. You're right. Okay. So if that's the philosophy of all those rookies, that's great. But, you know, let's see it. And let's make sure that's not a liability as you get into the postseason. Because I'm guessing Aaron Rodgers is coming right back at Marco Wilson if and when there's a playoff game between the Cardinals and Packers. I would agree. And it is interesting that all three of our guys ended up being on the defensive side of the ball, which I think ultimately when you say – not counting Kyler and DeAndre, how much that changes the equation. Because I would assume that if every name was available, the first person everybody says is Kyler Murray, right? Sure. Yeah. yeah. So, yeah. yeah it's interesting. Okay. Can, I, can I throw an honorable mention in there? You it's can do whatever you want, Felipe. It's not necessarily a player, but would you guys, would you guys throw in Cliff Kingsbury in that regard, given mm. of last year and now trying to get trying to get into the postseason after clinching their first winning season since 2015? Would you guys throw him in there? And you're saying that would be based just on how the Cardinals finish? Yeah. Would he, his performance, is it pivotal to the success in these last six weeks? Because, uh, you know, you got to know, man's got to know his limitations. So if you're asking me to assess all his play calling down the stretch, <laughs> right, that's getting into dangerous territory yeah. right there. But if, but if you're putting the overall end result on the head coach, which of course you do, any mm -hmm. head coach is judged on the win-loss record, then okay, yeah, that, that has legs, no doubt about it. Because, look, if, he's, if he needs incentive to motivate this team down the stretch, whether they're 9-2, 10-2, 11-2, guess what? You finished last year by losing five out of seven. Finish. Let's see this team finish. And you got to finish two games into January. Yeah. You're not finished until mid-January yeah. this year. Well, it's it's amazing when you start thinking. We have it's such a late bye, and yet they still have six games left. I was actually thinking the other day. I'm like, can you imagine if this team has got the number one seed after 16 games, but then they have to play the 17th game to hold on to it? Like, that would stink. I mean, that's what it is. It is what it is, but that, well, you know. And here's the other thing, rest versus rust. If they clinch the bye in the number one seed in week 17, for example, and now week 18 is meaningless, mm. and that turns into a preseason game, and then you have the bye, what does this team look like? That's Three weeks between meaningful games. That scares the heck out of me. Absolutely, and it should because a team – who's rolling at the end of the year. Oh, I don't know, like the Cardinals were rolling 2008, and they found their stride, and, but, and they have that mentality and that edge, you know. But I, but I will say that we don't know how Cliff Kingsbury would approach that. We know how Bruce Arians might look at it. We definitely know how Ken Wisenhunt approached it. 
But we don't know how Cliff Kingsbury looks at that stuff. And you know what? Zach Ertz on his own threw out with the media recently that, in his opinion, one of the big keys to the Eagles winning the Super Bowl in 2015 was the bye, was home field. Now, I don't know if they had overall home field, but that's back when there were two buys, yeah. and they only had to win two games to get into the Super Bowl. And that's the first thing Zach Ertz mentioned, how important that is for a team to get healthy and get ready for that three-game push to a Lombardi trophy. So, it, it, I, But with a team with no playoff experience, it's one thing if you're Tampa and you have Tom Brady. It's yeah. another thing mm-hmm. if you're Green Bay and Aaron Rodgers. Yeah. But for a team with no playoff experience here and there – Zach Ertz, for example, you know, James Conner has plenty of postseason experience with the Steelers. Okay, but otherwise, yeah, that's risky. That's definitely dicey. There's no doubt about it. Well, hopefully it's a problem that they have to make a decision on because that means they have clinched the number one seed before we even get to the last game. That's right. So the one and zero mentality, uh, the key to any good road trip, and once again the Cardinals are six and zero on the road, every win by double digits. The key to any road trip is the dinner reservation on Saturday night. <laughs> so Darren, have you checked that box yet? I have not checked that box yet. Okay, because uh, I want to see what's close to us at the at whatever hotel we're at. Okay, yeah, we need to figure out where the hotel is first before I can actually make. I do have a place in mind, and uh, I might have to get off my rear and actually make the reservation happen. Uh, as a former Chicago resident for two glorious years myself, I do have a place in mind. And uh, oh, since wow. I can never count on Ron Wolfley to really get it done, despite the fact he's a former once upon a time restaurant owner himself, and he knows the vernacular and how to make that call and get a reservation, um, you know, it looks like if you want it done right, you got to do it yourself. So, so what do you what do you eat in Chicago? Is it the you know style ribs. Chicago style pizza type of thing? Sure, or? deep dish pizza. You know the Chicago style ribs. Large. Pieces of cow, dead cow. Steaks. <laughs> Absolutely. You that, know. That's what sure. Yeah, I've never been to Chicago, so great city. Might might it might be a little bit greater of a city if we were going there in the preseason and walking around at night rather than walking around at night <laughs> in December, but that's Yeah. Yeah. That's, with four la- with four layers. <laughs> so here's how it goes. It's the undershirt and then it's the thermal long sleeve turtleneck. You gotta have that on. Then you put like the team pole over that, so you're at three. And then it's either four or five. It's four which is one jacket, or the fifth is a secondary jacket. So you have a lighter jacket underneath and then actually a fifth layer on top. And so cap. Uh, you know, I try and refrain from the knit cap because with the headphones, it's a real pain in the can. Uh, the headphones do give you, like, earmuffs, so that's, that's good. True. So you got the earmuffs, sort of like old school earmuffs. Why do you got to say that? The kids here, earmuffs, you have that going. And uh, then you try and wheeze you away near the heat blowers in the sideline. Whenever the, the action's at the other side of the field, you race to the far end of the field to get in front of the heat blowers. That's, that's usually the key. That's a good point. It, yeah. It's like your experience. Dude. And you stay away from the kicker's area, right? <laughs> <laughs> yes, yes, you have to. Uh, in fact, the, the new long snapper, I had to introduce myself, Bo Brinkley, and I said, Bo, if I'm ever any, you know, before you snap that ball, if I'm ever in the way, come over and just headbutt me, stiff arm me, just anything <laughs> so I don't take one of those fastballs right in the groin. There you go. Speaking of kickers, don't forget uh, Folktales on Wednesday. Oh, there Thanks, you go, Coach. Darren. Monday Night Meltdown, yeah. Denny Green. So you're getting some national love from the Adam Schefters of the world. You cashing in a few favors there, Darren? Uh, interesting how Darren's episode of Cardinals mm-hmm. Folktales all of a sudden is get this national social media play. Looks like that's a card he's been waiting to play. Interesting. Uh, you know, we do what we can. I had nothing to do with that, but we do what we can. Let's see. It does look like it's highly entertaining. It does. I- I'm looking forward to everybody being able to see it, you know. 
It's uh, yeah, it, it's an all time and and it's great with the Bears on the schedule. What perfect timing! There it's like go. it's like you thought about this. It's like you've been game planning for the whole year before debut. Might have might have done a little bit of that. Paul, yeah. you're in that episode too, though, right? I seen your face in there. You, well, you're well, he was a big part of that whole scenario. He well, almost got decapitated by an angry Denny Green. Yeah, I mean, I, I was the postscript. I was the punctuation to the whole thing in a way. So, and basically, it's real easy to explain, Felipe. You get the rant, you get the thanks, coach. And then you, there's that moment of awkward hesitation, and he leaves the press conference, and he goes through that door, right? Mm-hmm. Do you know who's on the other side of that door? Paulie Pencilneck getting ready to do the post-game radio interview. And all I have to go on, because I'm behind the wall, are the words of our longtime fine executive radio producer, Jim Omohundro, who reacted in the moment with something akin to, oh, bleep, coach just knocked over the podium, because all he had was sort of an in-house TV view. Here he comes, and he's bleeping mad. And so that's all I had as the door then opened. And you know what? Not only do I remember that moment vividly, this might be a little gross, and only if you're Craig Grealou do you maybe you enjoy this, okay, here at the very end. Maybe only Craig Grealou is tuned in at this point here on Cardinals Underground. But <laughs> I still remember the smell of an overheated Dennis Green who, let's just say, needed a post-game shower. I don't know if I needed that information. That's how vivid and palpable that memory I hope, is. I hope this is going to be in the podcast, Paul. It just was. So, so what happened? <laughs> Darren, I meant the Folktales podcast. <laughs> I Darren, from your perspective in the media room, I'm more curious to know, how did everyone else in there react? Was it like you guys looked at each other and told yourself, oh, bleep. Well, you're just, you're just kind of stunned a little bit that it kind of turned out that way. And then Mark said, thanks, coach. And then everybody's thinking, well, I guess I got one of my main quotes. Well, you so. know what? Matt Liner was next. Because we have Matt Leinart in the podcast. Because I remember interviewing Matt Leinart that next year. We revisited that moment mm-hmm. a year later. And Matt Leinart said, as a rookie, he's standing there to the side of the podium. He's not in, in frame, in camera, but he's off camera. And he's waiting on the other side of Mark Dalton. And, he, and Matt Leinart at the time admitted, oh, man, what am I walking into? Because he just walked into the room yeah. about 10 seconds before Denny went off. It was uh, it was an, a very very interesting evening, but the whole game was mind bending. So it's you, a real it's a good episode. When you look at the stats, they didn't score an offensive touchdown. No, the Cardinals led twenty to nothing. They blew it. Rex Grossman committed six turnovers. Yeah. He had four picks and two lost fumbles, and the Bears won that game. It was twenty three to three in the in the with two seconds with ten seconds to go in the third quarter. It was twenty three to ten. With less than six minutes left. And once again, no offensive touchdowns. The Edron James fumble returned for six, and the Devin Hester punt returned for six. Were the last two, yes. And then the final fateful missed field goal. Which everybody forgets about. By Neil Rag, which I forgot about until revisiting this thing. Matt Leiner took that team down the field like like an elite franchise quarterback is supposed to do and put them in very makeable field goals. And the next day, the offensive coordinator, Keith Rowan, was fired. And he swore all along that Denny told him in halftime, sit on the ball, take the air out of the ball, run the ball, shut down the offense, no risk. We all know the result. That'll do it for this edition of Cardinals Underground, brought to you by Pacific Office Automation.